Hello, everybody. Andrew Gamison here with the Speaking for Him podcast. I'm super glad that you have chosen to join us again today. And believe it or not, we are going to share today the 10th and final installment of our Pilgrim's Progress multi-voice journey. It has been such a pleasure to bring these shows to you, and I'm so thankful to each and every person who has taken part. And now, let's talk a little bit about what is going on. Well, first of all, as I said, I'm still dealing with the aftermath of the Facebook hack that took my Facebook out on Thursday evening, April 22nd, or the early morning hours of Friday, April 23rd. I'm still praying that I can get the old Facebook back uh, because of some of the administrative things that I had set up there on the other Facebook, uh, but it's looking less and less likely that that will happen, so I'm going to be in the next few days trying to bring the new Facebook up to date with the current information for two reasons. Number one, just to make sure that everybody uh, knows that it's really me. And number two, just to continue uh, being the presence on social media that I have tried to be and continue to stand for his kingdom. But if you could continue to pray about that, I would appreciate it. I, you know, one of the most frustrating things about the whole process is I, I'm sure if I could get a hold of someone on Facebook, it would be like a, probably a five to ten minute fix, uh, for them to get me past the two factor verification, which the hacker, hacker set up. And then I would be able to move on and, like I said, continue to control, um, my speaking for him Facebook page and my speaking for him radio theater Facebook group, which right now is adminless and I don't know how to retake control or give anyone else control um, because as far as the groups are concerned uh, as much as a, a computer program or a computer page can know I still have control except that I don't but I just wanted to share with you a, a news story that I stumbled upon um, today about a high school student who has really decided to go above and beyond and help others. And in this time where there seems to be a lot of bad news and a lot of negative news that we could comment on, I know I've commented on several uh, sort of negative news stories. Um, okay, this story is from St. Charles, Missouri. Um, the student, Joshua Nelson, a senior at St. Charles West High School in St. Charles, uh, decided to give a $1,000 scholarship to some lucky student um, who will receive his savings for college because the college that he chose to enroll in gave him a scholarship which will cover his costs. So he wants to start a college scholarship to help someone else who isn't as fortunate as him get the college education that they desire. And so I just, I really appreciated uh, this young man's drive to do something right. And in this culture where we seem fixated on bad news, I wanted to start out uh, this podcast by sharing with you some good news. Part of growing up is learning to give back. Depending on the person, that can take some time. But as you'll learn in tonight's Making a Difference report, one young man in St. Charles is showing us all 
that the more we share, the more we have. Let's make sure you get into your portal and open up your Cengage book. At St. Charles West High School, I want you to use that SNP tool. One of the best teachers may just be a student. He just has a heart for people. Figure 412 matrix. 18-year-old Josh Nelson is getting ready to graduate. I plan to go to Southeast Missouri State and go into their pre-optometry program to where I'll be majoring in biomedical sciences. So in this type of organization... What Josh didn't say is that SEMO offered him a scholarship. Any of these creative outlets... That'll happen when you're an excellent student, you're a three-year varsity basketball player... Always be yourself. And you're president of the school's Multicultural Achievement Committee. The mission of it is to encourage students of color to maximize their potential and to become college and career ready. Honestly, I feel like if you're a member of this program... They work on resume writing, interviewing skills, and even strategies for their college admissions tests. Be confident in what you bring to the table. But all that preparation couldn't prepare the students or teachers for Josh's recent announcement. I was, like, really blown away because I was not expecting that. You guys got to track me this week? Josh saved up more than $1,000 for college, but since he earned a scholarship... He's decided to use his savings to help another student go to college. I think he's an inspiration to some of the other people at the school, especially students of color. I don't even think he realizes that he's doing that much for everyone else as well. I just think it's unbelievable what he's doing, and it's really exciting. Students all want to do well on their math and history tests, but Josh just aced a test of character. I really thought that it was important to give back to my community that poured in so much to me. Over the next few weeks, with some help from his parents and teachers, he'll be accepting applications for this special scholarship with the hope that some donors will make the $1,000 multiply. Honestly, it makes me feel on top of the world. The fact that I could just help somebody a little bit in whatever way I can, just me being so young, I don't know. I, it just makes me feel great, and I really want to see other people succeed. I think so often uh, we get focused on the things that we uh need and the things that we want and it's nice to see someone focused on others i will post a link to this story on 13 on your side uh, because that is where i found it and uh, then you can look at this story and also you can find an address for helping him out and expanding the scholarship fund. And it would be, it would be really interesting to see what happens with this, because I think the interesting thing about generosity is it multiplies when someone is generous and then, and then other people catch the vision. It's just exciting to see what happens. And, and I think that we, we are a people as humans who respond to peer pressure. And so I don't think all peer pressure is bad. I think that, there is there is an opportunity here for good peer pressure and actually that is something that that as a podcaster that is is one of my goals is is to be someone who is working hard to do the good kind of peer pressure to be able to share with someone uh the things that God has shared with me to encourage me so i hope that this story has been of benefit to you, and I'm just excited to see what God will continue to do for those who uh, put others first. Uh, a lot of times we get down because we feel like 
there's only bad news in the world, but there are there is good news in the world. There is good things happening, and I just wanted to encourage you with that. All right, well, as I said earlier, it is very hard to believe that right now we are about to debut the 10th and final part of Pilgrim's Progress, the multi-voice, speaking for him, radio theater project. And I am just so thankful for this experience. Uh, when we started it in, started the process in May of last year, so about a year ago, we started this process. I, I talked to some crazy, uh, Master Arts friends on Facebook, and I said, can we uh, do a multi-voice uh, project of Pilgrim's Progress? And they agreed, and we got together, and we recorded it over five weeks in July and August, and I was just so proud of them. And then Caleb Thiessen took the audio and, and turned it into something really special with sound effects included. So I'm very thankful to him as well. Without further ado... I want to share with you today's cast for the Speaking for Him Radio Theater, Part 10 of Pilgrim's Progress. And so the cast includes Alex Jacobson as Christian, John Wilson as Hopeful, Craig Apel as our narrator slash John Bunyan, Allison Degbredo returns as the Shining Ones, Tim Van Bruggen as the Gardener and Man One, Andrew Gamison as Man 2 and the King. And Ignorance is once again portrayed by Allison Dankbrito. Very thankful for each and every one of these people. And a special thank you too to Christopher Green. I don't know if I've mentioned him since the start of this series, uh, but he was on board in the beginning and then things got busy with his, uh, with his marriage to his new wife and with some other things that were going on in his life. I think a job change, getting job opportunity with this church and other things that prevented him from being able to be the editor on this project. But he introduced me to Caleb Thiessen. And so he still uh, had a lot of interest in seeing this project product succeed. A special thank you to you as well, Christopher, I'm very thankful uh, that you um, cared enough to make sure that this project had good help. All right, well, without further ado, here is part 10 of Speaking for Him Radio Theaters, The Pilgrim's Progress. Then said Christian to his companion, It pities me much for this poor man. It will certainly go ill with him at last. Alas, there are abundance in our town in his condition. Whole families, yea, the whole streets, and that of pilgrims too. And if there be so many in our parts, how many think he must there be in the place where he was born? Indeed, the word saith, he hath blinded their eyes, lest they should see. But now we are by ourselves. What do you think of such men? Have they at no time, think you, convictions of sin, and so consequently fears that their state is dangerous? Nay. Do you answer that question yourself? For you are the elder man. Then I say, sometimes, as I think, they may. 
But they being naturally ignorant, understand not that such convictions tend to their good, and therefore they do desperately seek to stifle them, and presumptuously continue to flatter themselves in the way of their own hearts. I do believe, as you say, that fear tends much to men's good, and to make them right at their beginning to go on pilgrimage. Without all doubt it doth. If it be right, for so says the word, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. How will you describe right fear? True and right fear is discovered by three things. One, by its rise, it is caused by saving convictions for sin. Two, it driveth the soul to lay fast hold of Christ for salvation. Three, it begetteth and continueth in the soul a great reverence of God, his word, the ways, keeping it tender and making it afraid to turn from them to the right hand or to the left, to anything that may dishonor God, break its peace, grieve the spirit, or cause the enemy to speak reproachfully. Well said. I believe you have said the truth. Are we now almost got past the enchanted ground? What, art thou weary of this discourse? No, verily, but that I would know where we are. We have not now above two miles further to go thereon. But let us return to our matter. Now the ignorant know not that such convictions as tend to put them in fear are for their good, and therefore they seek to stifle them. How do they seek to stifle them? They think that those fears are wrought by the devil, Though, indeed, they are wrought by God, and thinking so, they resist them as things that directly tend to their overthrow. They also think that these fears tend to the spoiling of their faith, when, alas for them, poor men that they are, they have none at all, and therefore they harden their hearts against them. They presume they ought not to fear, and therefore, in despite of them, wax presumptuously confident." They see that those fears tend to take away from them their pitiful old self-holiness, and therefore they resist them with all their might. I know something of this myself, for before I knew myself, it was so with me. Well, we will leave at this time our neighbor ignorance by himself, and fall upon another profitable question. With all my heart, but you shall still begin. Well then... Did you not know about ten years ago one temporary in your parts, who was a forward man in religion then? Know him? Yes, he dwelt in Graceless, a town about two miles off of Honesty, and he dwelt next door to one Turnback. Right, he dwelt under the same roof with him. Well, that man was much awakened once. I believe that then he had some sight of his sins, and of the wages that were due thereto. I am of your mind, for my house not being above three miles from him, he would oft times come to me, and that with many tears. Truly I pitied the man, and was not altogether without hope of him, but one may see it is not every one that cries, Lord, Lord. He told me once that he was resolved to go on pilgrimage, as we do now, but all of a sudden he grew acquainted with one save self. And then he became a stranger to me. Now, since we are talking about him, let us a little inquire into the reason of the sudden backsliding of him and such others. It may be very profitable, but do you begin? 
Well, then, there are, in my judgment, four reasons for it. First, though the consciences of such men are awakened, yet their minds are not changed. Therefore, when the power of guilt weareth away, that which provoked them to be religious ceaseth. Wherefore, they naturally turn to their own course again. Even as we see the dog that is sick of what he has eaten, so long as his sickness prevails, he vomits and casts up all. Not that he doth this of a free mind, if we may say that a dog has a mind, but because it troubleth his stomach. But now, when his sickness is over, and so his stomach eased, his desire being not at all alienate from his vomit, he turns him up and licks up all. And so it is true, which is written, the dog is turned to his own vomit again. Thus, I say, being hot for heaven... By virtue only of the sense and fear of the torments of hell, as their sense of hell and the fears of damnation chills and cools, so their desires for heaven and salvation cool also. So then it comes to pass that when their guilt and fear is gone, their desires for heaven and happiness die, and they return to their course again. Another reason is they have slavish fears that do overmaster them. I speak now of the fears that they have of men. For the fear of man bringeth a snare. So then, though they seem to be hot for heaven, so long as the flames of hell are about their ears, yet when that terror is a little over, they betake themselves to second thoughts, namely that it is good to be wise and not to run, for they know not what, the hazard of losing all, or at least of bringing themselves into unavoidable and unnecessary troubles, and so they fall in with the world again. Third, the shame that attends religion lies also as a block in their way. They are proud and haughty, and religion in their eye is low and contemptible. Therefore, when they have lost their sense of hell and wrath to come, they return again to their former course. Fourth, guilt and to mediate terror are grievous to them. They like not to see their misery before they come into it, though perhaps the sight of it first, if they loved that sight, might make them fly whither to the righteous fly and are safe. But because they do, as I hinted before, even shun the thoughts of guilt and terror, therefore when once they are rid of their awakenings about the terrors and wrath of God, they harden their hearts gladly and choose such ways as will harden them more and more. You are pretty near the business, for the bottom of all is for want of a change in their mind and will, and therefore they are but like the felon that standeth before the judge. He quakes and trembles and seems to repent most heartily, but the bottom of all is the fear of the halter. Not that he hath any detestation of the offense, as is evident, because... Let but this man have his liberty, and he will be a thief, and so a rogue still, whereas if his mind were changed, he would be otherwise. Now, I have shown you the reasons for their going back. Do you show the manner thereof? So I will, willingly. One, they draw off their thoughts, all that they may, from the remembrance of God, death, and judgment to come. Two, then they cast off by the degrees private duties, as closet prayer, curbing their lust, watching, sorrow for sin, and the like. Three, then they shun the company of lively and warm Christians. 
before, after that, they grow cold to public duty as hearing, reading, godly conference, and the like. Five, then they begin to pick holes, as we say, in the coats of some of the godly, and that devilishly that they may have a seeming color to throw religion for the sake of some infirmity they have espied in them behind their backs. Six, then they begin to adhere to and associate themselves with carnal, loose, and wanton men. Seven, then they give way to carnal and wanton discourses and secrets, and glad are they if they can see such things in any that are counted honest, that they may the more boldly do it through their example. Eight, after this they begin to play with little sins openly. Nine, and then, being hardened, they show themselves as they are, thus being launched again to the guilt of misery, Unless a miracle of grace prevent it, they everlastingly perish in their own deceivings. Now I saw in my dream that by this time the pilgrims were got over the enchanted ground and entering into the country of Beulah, whose air was very sweet and pleasant. The way lying directly through it, they solaced themselves there for a season. Yea, here they heard continually the singing of birds, and saw every day the flowers appear in the earth, and heard the voice of the turtle in the land. In this country the sun shineth night and day, wherefore this was beyond the valley of the shadow of death, and also out of the reach of giant despair. Neither could they from this place so much as see Doubting Castle. Here they were within sight of the city they were going to. Also here met them some of the inhabitants thereof. For in this land the shining ones commonly walked, because it was upon the borders of heaven. In this land also the contract between the bride and the bridegroom was renewed. Yea, here, as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so did their God rejoice over them. Here they had no want of corn and wine, for in this place they met with abundance what they had sought for in all their pilgrimage. Here they heard voices from out of the city, loud voices, saying, Say ye to the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy salvation cometh. Behold, his reward is with him. Here all the inhabitants of the country called them, The holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, sought out. Now, as they walked in this land, they had more rejoicing than in parts more remote from the kingdom to which they were bound, and drawing near to the city, they had yet a more perfect view thereof. It was builded of pearls and precious stones. Also, the street thereof was paved with gold, so that by reason of the natural glory of the city and the reflection of the sunbeams upon it, Christian with desire felt sick. Hopeful also had a fit or two of the same disease. Wherefore here they lay by it a while, crying out because of their pangs. If ye find my beloved, tell him that I am sick of love. But being a little strengthened and better able to bear their sickness, they walked on their way and came yet nearer and nearer where were orchards, vineyards, and gardens, and their gates opened into the highway. Now as they came upon these places, 
Behold, the gardener stood in the way. Whose goodly vineyards and gardens are these? They are the king's, and are planted here for his own delight, and also for the solace of pilgrims. So the gardener had them into the vineyards, and bid them refresh themselves with the dainties. He also showed them where the king walks, and the arbors where he delighted to be, and here they tarried and slept. Now I beheld in my dream that they talked more in their sleep at this time than ever they did in all their journey. And being in a muse thereabout, the gardener said even to me, Wherefore musest thou at the matter? It is the nature of the fruit of the grapes of these vineyards to go down so sweetly as to cause the lips of them that are asleep to speak. So I saw when they awoke, they addressed themselves to go up to the city. But as I said, the reflection of the sun upon the city was pure gold, was so extremely glorious that they could not as yet with open face behold it, but through an instrument made for that purpose. So I saw that as they went on, there met them two men in raiment that shone like gold. Also their faces shone as the light. These men asked the pilgrims whence they came, and they told them. They also asked them where they had lodged, what difficulties and dangers, what comforts and pleasures they had met in the way, and they told them. You have but two difficulties more to meet with, and then you are in the city. Will you go all with us? Please, sirs. We will, but you must obtain it by your own faith. So I saw in my dream that they went on together until they came in sight of the gate. Now I further saw that betwixt them and the gate was a river, but there was no bridge to go over, and the river was very deep. At the sight, therefore, of this river, the pilgrims were much stunned. But the men that went with them said, You must go through, or you cannot come at the gate. The pilgrims then began to inquire if, if there was no other way to the gate, to which they answered, Yes, but there hath no save two, to wit, Enoch and Elijah, been permitted to tread that path since the foundation of the world, nor shall until the last trumpet shall sound. The pilgrims then, especially Christian, began to despond in their minds, and look this way and that, but no way could be found by them by which they might escape the river. Are the waters all of a depth? No, yet we cannot help you in this case. For you shall find it deeper or shallower, as you believe in the king of this place. Then they addressed themselves to the water, and entering, Christian began to sink, and crying out to his good friend, Hopeful, I sink in deep waters. The billows go over my head. All his waves go over me. Selah! Give good cheer, my brother. I, I feel the bottom, and it is good. Ah, oh, my friend, the sorrows of death have compassed me about. I shall not see the land that flows with milk and honey. And with that, a great darkness and horror fell upon Christian so that he could not see before him. 
Also, here, in great measure, he lost his senses so that he could neither remember nor orderly talk of any of those sweet refreshments that he had met with in the way of his pilgrimage. But all the words that he spake still tended to discover that he had horror of mind and heart fears that he should die in that river and never obtain entrance at the gate. Here also, as they that stood by perceived, he was much in troublesome thoughts of the sins that he had committed, both since and before he began to be a pilgrim. It was also observed that he was troubled with apparitions of hobgoblins and evil spirits. Forever and anon he would imitate so much by words. Hopeful, therefore, here had much ado to keep his brother's head above water. Yea, sometimes he would be quite gone down, and then, ere a while, he would rise up again, half dead. Brother, I see the gate and men standing by to receive us. It is you. It is you they wait for. You have been ever hopeful ever since I knew you. And so have you. Ah, brother, surely if I were right, he would now arise to help me. But for my sins he hath brought me into the snare and hath left me. My brother, you have quite forgot the text where it is said of the wicked. There are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. These troubles and distresses that you go through in these waters are no sign that God hath forsaken you, but are sent to try you, whether you will call to mind that which heretofore you have received of his goodness, and live upon him in your distress. Then I saw in my dream that Christian was as in a muse for a while. Be of good cheer. Jesus Christ maketh thee whole. Oh, I see him again, and he tells me when thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. Then they both took courage, and the enemy was after that as still as a stone, until they were gone over Christian therefore presently found ground to stand upon, and so it followed that the rest of the river was but shallow. Thus they got over. Now upon the bank of the river on the other side, they saw two shining men again who were there waiting for them. Wherefore, being come out of the river, they saluted them. We are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those that shall be heirs of salvation. Thus they went along towards the gate. Now you must note that the city stood upon a mighty hill, but the pilgrims went up that hill with ease, because they had these two men to lead them by the arms. Also they had left their mortal garments behind them in the river, for though they went in with them, they came out without them. They therefore went up the hill with much agility and speed, though the foundation upon which the city was framed was higher than the clouds. They therefore went up through the regions of the air, sweetly talking as they went, being comforted because they safely got over the river and had such glorious companions to attend them. The talk they had with the Shining Ones was about the glory of the place, who told them that the beauty and the glory of it was inexpressible. 
There is the Mount Zion, the heavenly Jerusalem, the innumerable company of angels, and the spirits of just men made perfect. You are going now to the paradise of God, wherein you shall see a tree of life, and eat of the never-fading fruits thereof. And when you come there, you shall have white robes given you, and your walk and talk shall be every day with the king, even all days of eternity. Then you shall not see again such things as when you were in the lower region upon the earth, to wit sorrow, sickness, affliction, and death, for the former things are passed away. You are now going to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and to the prophets, men that God had taken away from the evil to come, and that now are resting upon their beds, each one walking in his righteousness. What must we do in the holding place? You must there receive the comforts of all your toil, and have joy for all your sorrow. You must reap what you have sown, even the fruit of all your prayers and tears and sufferings for the king by the way. In that place, you must wear crowns of gold and enjoy the perpetual sight and vision of the Holy One, for there you shall see him as he is. There also you will serve him continually with praise, with shouting, with thanksgiving, when you desire to serve in the world though with much difficulty, because of the infirmity of your flesh. There your eyes shall be delighted with seeing, and your ears with hearing the pleasant voice of the Mighty One. There you shall enjoy your friends again, that have gone thither before you, and there you shall with joy receive even everyone that follows into the holy place after you. There also shall you be clothed with glory and majesty, and put into an equipage fit to ride out with the King of glory when he shall come with sound of trumpet in the clouds, as upon the wings of the wind, you shall come with him. And when he shall sit upon the throne of judgment, you shall sit by him. Yea, and when he shall pass sentence upon all the workers of iniquity, let them be angels or men, you also shall have a voice in that judgment, because they were his and your enemies. Also, when he shall again return to the city, you shall go too, and with the sound of the trumpet, and be ever with him. Now when they were thus drawing towards the gate, behold, a company of the heavenly host came out to meet them, to whom it was said by the other two shining ones, These are the men that have loved our Lord when they were in the world, and that have left all for his holy name. And he hath sent us to fetch them, and we have brought them thus far on their desired journey, that they may go in and look their Redeemer in the face with joy. Then the heavenly host gave a great shout, saying, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. There came out also at this time to meet them several of the king's trumpeters, clothed in white and shining raiment, who with melodious noise and loud made even the heavens to echo with their sound. These trumpeters saluted Christian and his fellow with ten thousand welcomes from the world, and this they did with shouting and sound of trumpet. This done, they compassed them round on every side. Some went before, some behind, and some on the right hand, some on the left, as if it were to guard them through the upper regions. 
continually sounding as they went with melodious noise in notes on high, so that the very sight was to them that could behold it as if heaven itself was coming down to meet them. Thus, therefore, they walked on together. And as they walked ever and anon, these trumpeters, even with joyful sound, would by mixing their music with looks and gestures still signify to Christian and his brothers how welcome they were into their company and with what gladness they came to meet them. And now were these two men as it were in heaven before they came to it at last, being swallowed up with the sight of angels and with hearing of their melodious notes. Here also they had the city itself in view, and they thought they heard all the bells therein to ring to welcome them thereto. But above all, the warm and joyful thoughts that they had about their own dwelling there, with such company, and that for ever and ever. Oh, by what tongue or pen can their glorious joy be expressed? And thus they came up to the gate. Now when they were come up to the gate, there was written over it in letters of gold, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. Call at the gate. The which, when they did, some looked from above over the gate, to wit Enoch, Moses, and Elijah, to whom it was said, these pilgrims are come from the city of destruction for the love that they bear to the king of this place. Then the pilgrims gave in unto them each man his certificate, which they had received in the beginning. Those, therefore, were carried into the king, who, when he had read them, said, Where are the men? They are standing without the gate. The king then commanded to open the gate. The righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. So I saw in my dream that these two men went in at the gate, and lo, as they entered, they were transfigured, and they had raiment put on that shone like gold. There were also those that met them with harps and crowns, and gave them to them, the harps to praise withal, and the crowns in token of honor. Then I heard in my dream that all the bells in the city rang again for joy, and that it was said unto them, Enter ye into the joy of your Lord. I also heard the men themselves, that they sang with a loud voice, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Now just as the gates were opened to let in the men, I looked in after them, and behold, the city shone like the sun. The streets also were paved with gold, and in them walked many men with crowns on their heads, palms in their hands, and golden harps to sing praise withal. There were also of them that had wings, and they answered one another without intermission, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And after that they shut up the gates, which when I had seen I wished myself among them.
Now, while I was gazing upon all these things, I turned my head to look back and saw ignorance come up to the riverside. But he soon got over, and that without half that difficulty which the other two men met with. For it happened that there was then in that place one vain hope, a ferryman, that with his boat helped him over. So he, as the other I saw, did ascend the hill to come up to the gate, only he came alone. Neither did any man meet him with the least encouragement. When he was come up to the gate, he looked up to the writing that was above, and then began to knock, supposing that the entrance should have been quickly administered to him. But he was asked by the men that looked over the top of the gate, Whence came you? What would you have? I have eaten and drank in the presence of the king, and he has taught in our streets. Then they asked him for his certificate, that they might go in and show it to the king. So he fumbled in his bosom for one, and found none. Have you none? But the man answered never a word. So they told the king, but he would not come down to see him but commanded the two shining ones that conducted Christian and hopeful to the city to go out and take ignorance and bind him hand and foot and have him away. Then they took him up and carried him through the air to the door that I saw in the side of the hill and put him there. Then I saw that there was a way to hell, even from the gates of heaven, as well as from the city of destruction. So I awoke. And behold, it was a dream. Now, reader, I have told my dream to thee. See if thou canst interpret it to me, or to thyself, or neighbor. But take heed of misinterpreting, for that, instead of doing good, will but thyself abuse. By misinterpreting, evil ensues. Take heed also that thou be not extreme in playing with the outside of my dream, nor let my figure or similitude put thee into a laughter or a feud. Leave this for boys and fools. But as for thee, do thou the substance of my matter see. Put by the curtains, look within my veil, turn up my metaphors, and do not fail. There, if thou seekest them, such things to find as will be helpful to an honest mind. What of my dross thou findest there? Be bold to throw away, but yet preserve the gold. What if my gold be wrapped up in ore? None throws away the apple for the core. But if thou shalt cast all away as vain, I know not, but twill make me dream again. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.